Chapter Eleven of Snarleyow by Frederick Marriott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which Snarleyow does not at all assist his master's cause with the widow Vandersloosh. It will be necessary to explain to the reader by what means the life of our celebrated cur was preserved. When Smallbones had thrown him into the canal, tied up, as he supposed, in his winding-sheet, what Mr. Van Slyperken observed was true, that there were people below, and the supposed paving-stone might have fallen upon them. The voices which he heard were those of a father and son, who were in a small boat, going from a galliot to the steps where they intended to land, for this canal was not like most others, with the water in it sufficiently high to enable people to step from the vessel's gunwale to the jetty. Snarleyow fell in his bag a few yards ahead of the boat, and the splash naturally attracted their attention. He did not sink immediately, but floundered and struggled, so as to keep himself partly above water. "'Vat is dat?' exclaimed the father to his son in Dutch. "'My God, who is to know? But we will see.' And the son took the boat-hook, and with it dragged the bread-bags towards the boat, just as they were sinking, for Snarleyow was exhausted with his efforts. The two together dragged the bags with their contents into the boat. "'It is a dog or something,' observed the son. "'Very well.' but the bread-bags will be useful, replied the father, and they pulled on to the landing-stairs. When they arrived there they lifted out the bags, laid them on the stone steps, and proceeded to unrip them, when they found Snarleyow, who was just giving signs of returning animation. They took the bags with them, after having rolled his carcass out, and left it on the steps, for there was a fine for throwing anything into the canal. The cur soon after recovered, and was able to stand on his legs. So soon as he could walk, he made his way to the door of the widow Vandersloosh, and howled for admittance. The widow had retired. She had been reading her book of prayers, as every one should do who has been cheating people all day long. She was about to extinguish her light when this serenade saluted her ears. It became intolerable as the dog gained strength. Babette had long been fast asleep, and was with difficulty roused up and directed to beat the cur away. She attempted to perform the duty, arming herself with a broom. But the moment she opened the door, Snarleyow dashed in between her legs, upsetting her on the brick pavement. Babette screamed, and her mistress came out in the passage to ascertain the cause. The dog, not being able to run into the parlor, bolted up the stairs, and, snapping at the widow as he passed, secured a berth underneath her bed. "'Oh, my God! It is the dog of the lieutenant!' exclaimed Babette, coming up the stairs in greater dishabille than her mistress, and with the broom in her hand. "'What shall we do?' How shall we get rid of him? A thousand devils may take the lieutenant and his nasty dog, too, exclaimed the widow, in great wrath. This is the last time that either of them enter my house. 
drive a bat with your broom shove at him hard yes ma'am replied babette pushing with all her strength at the dog beneath the bed who seized the broom with his teeth and pulled it away from babette it was a struggle of strength between the girl and snarleyow pull babette pull dog one moment the broom with two-thirds of the handle disappeared under the bed the next the maid recovered her lost ground snarleyow was first tired of this contention and to prove that he had no thoughts of abandoning his position he let go the broom flew at babette's naked legs and having inserted his teeth half through her ankle he returned growling to his former retreat oh dear my god exclaimed babette dropping her broom and holding her ankle with both hands what shall we do cried the widow wringing her hands it was indeed a case of difficulty mynheer vandersloosh before he had quitted this transitory scene had become a personage as bulky as the widow herself and the bed had been made unusually wide the widow still retained the bed for her own use for there was no knowing whether she might not again be induced to enter the hymeneal state it occupied more than one half of the room and the dog had gained a position from which it was not easy for two women to dislodge him and as the dog snarled and growled under the bed so did the widow's wrath rise as she stood shivering and it was directed against the master she vowed mentally that so sure as the dog was under the bed so sure should his master never get into it and babette's wrath was also kindled now that the first pain of the bite had worn off she seized the broom again and made some furious lunges at snarleyow so furious that he could not regain possession with his teeth the door of the room had been left open that the dog might escape so had the street door and the widow stood at the foot of the bed waiting for some such effect being produced by babette's vigorous attacks but the effects were not such as she anticipated the dog became more enraged and at last sprang out at the foot of the bed flew at the widow tore her only garment and bit her in the leg frau vandersloosh screamed and reeled reeled against the door left half open and falling against it slammed it too with her weight and fell down shrieking snarleyow who probably had intended to make off seeing that his escape was prevented again retreated under the bed and as soon as he was there he recommenced an attack upon babette's legs now it appears that what the united courage of the two females could not accomplish was at last effected by their united fears the widow vandersloosh gained her legs as soon as she could and at first opened the door to run out but her nightdress was torn to ribbons in front she looked at her situation modesty conquered every other feeling she burst into tears and exclaiming mr van slyperken mr van slyperken she threw herself in an ecstasy of grief and rage on the centre of the bed at the same moment the teeth of the dog were again fixed upon the ankles of babette who also shrieked and threw herself on the bed and upon her mistress 
The bed was a good bed, and had for years done its duty. But you may even overload a bed, and so it proved in this instance. The united weights of the mistress and the maid, coming down upon it with such emphasis, were more than the bed could bear. The sacking gave way altogether, and the mattress which they lay upon was now supported by the floor. But this misfortune was their preservation. For when the mattress came down, it came down upon Snarleyow. The animal contrived to clear his loins, or he would have perished, but he could not clear his long mangy tail, which was now caught and firmly fixed in a new species of trap, the widow's broadest proportions having firmly secured him by it. Snarleyow pulled and pulled, but he pulled in vain. He was fixed. He could not bite, for the mattress was between them. He pulled, and he howled, and he barked, and he turned himself every way, and yelped. And had not his tail been of coarse and thick dimensions, he might have left it behind him, so great were his exertions. But no, it was impossible. The widow was a widow of substance, as Vanslyperken had imagined, and as she now proved to the dog. The only difference was that the master wished to be in the very situation which the dog was now so anxious to escape from, to wit, tailed on to the widow. Babette, who soon perceived that the dog was so, now got out of the bed, and begging her mistress not to move an inch, and seizing the broom, she hammered Snarleyow most unmercifully, without any fear of retaliation. The dog redoubled his exertions and the extra weight of Babette being now removed, he was at last able to withdraw his appendage, and probably feeling that there was now no chance of a quiet night's rest in his present quarters, he made a bolt out of the room, down the stairs and into the street. Babette chased him down, and threw the broom at his head as he cleared the threshold, and then bolted the door. "'Oh, the beast!' exclaimed Babette, going upstairs again, out of breath. "'He's gone at last, ma'am.' "'Yes,' replied the widow, rising up with difficulty from the hole, made with her own centre of gravity. "'And, and his master shall go too. Make love, indeed. The atomy, the shrimp, the dried-up stockfish. Love, quotha, and refuse to hang a cur like that. Oh, dear, oh, dear, get me something to put on.' one of my best chemises, all in rags, and his nasty teeth in my leg in two places, Babette. Well, well, Mr. Vanslyperken, we shall see. I don't care for their custom. Mr. Vanslyperken, you'll not sit on my sofa again, I can tell you. Hug your nasty cur, quite good enough for you. Yes, yes, Mr. Vanslyperken. By this time the widow had received a fresh supply of linen from Babette, and as soon as she had put it on she rose from the bed, the fractured state of which again called forth her indignation. Thirty-two years I have had this bed, wedded and single, Babette, exclaimed the widow. For sixteen years did I sleep on that bed with the lamented Mr. Vandersloosh. For sixteen years have I slept in it a lone widow but never till now did it break down. How am I to sleep to-night? What am I to do, Babette?' "'Twas well it did break down, ma'am,' 
replied Babette, who was smoothing down the jagged skin at her ankles, or we should never have gotten the nasty biting brute out of the house. Very well, very well. Yes, yes, Mr. Vanslyperken. Marriage, indeed. I'd as soon marry his cur. My God, exclaimed Babette, I think, madame, if you did marry, you would soon find the master as cross as the dog. But I must make this bed. Babette proceeded to examine the mischief, and found that it was only the cords which tied the sacking which had given way, and considering that they had done their office for thirty-two years, and the strain which had been put upon them after so long a period, there was not much to complain of. A new cord was procured, and in a quarter of an hour all was right again, and the widow who had sat in the chair, fuming and blowing off her steam, as soon as Babette had turned down the bed, turned in again, muttering, "'Yes, yes, Mr. Vanslyperken, marriage indeed.' "'Well, well, we shall see.' "'Stop till tomorrow, Mr. Vanslyperken.' And as Babette had closed the curtains, so will we close this chapter. End of chapter 11 Recording by Arnold Banner, Thurmond, North Carolina